0: Hello, and thank you for listening to this special sunrise service podcast from Easter Sunday, April twenty first, two thousand nineteen, at Saint Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais, Illinois. The sermon is entitled "I Know That My Redeemer Lives," and is based on Job, chapter nineteen, verses twenty three through twenty
1: seven. Name of our Lord Jesus Christ sermon text for today is from Job chapter 19. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we are so blessed to gather today in your presence and receive your gifts of life and salvation in Jesus. Bless us as we open your word and guide us to know our Savior and his power over death and the devil. As we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our maker and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. We heard in our Old Testament reading today, Job said, Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead, or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives, that in the end, the end he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed. Yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. Our text. If you were to scan through the statements of President Abraham Lincoln, it would reveal a man who went through some very dark days. At the start of the war between the states, Lincoln was resolute. He was visionary. The mystic chords of memory, as he announced in his inaugural address in 1861, stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land will yet swell the chorus of the Union. And a little over into the year into the war in 1862, his rhetoric was tempered but still firm and uncompromising when he said, I expect to maintain this contest until successful or until I die or am conquered. But then it seemed like true darkness fell upon him. After devastating defeat in Manassas, Lincoln began to worry, then doubt, uh, doubt about his cause. He, he said, we we're whipped again. I'm afraid. What shall I do? The bottom is out of the tub. The next months and years for Lincoln were, were lived in near constant, face-shaking darkness and despair. In 1862, in December, after the defeat at Fredericksburg, he said, if there is a worse place than hell, I am in it. In 1863, he said, my God, my God, what will the country say? In 1864, he said, the war is eating my life out. I have a strong impression that I shall not live to see the end. And then in a darkness, a flicker of hope began to burst into flame There were the victories in the Union as uh, turning the tide in the Civil War. You can see Lincoln's spirits lift again, and once again, that rhetoric begins to soar as well, reaching this resolutely toward his vision of one United States of America. In March 1865, uh, about a month before Lee's surrender, he began to regather his faith, and, and in that famous speech that we know of, with malice toward none charity for all, firmness in the right as God gives. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds. In less than two weeks before his death in April 1865, he proclaimed the end of his trials and he said, Thank God I have lived to see this. It seemed to me that I've been dreaming it a horrid dream for four years and now the nightmare is gone. Well, The nightmare of Abraham Lincoln was really nothing when you compare it to the nightmare of Job, as we've been looking at in our midweek services this year. Job entered really the worst nightmare that anyone ever could possibly have. I mean, he was a good man. I mean, he wasn't just a good man. He was an outstanding man absolutely loyal to God, an exceptionally pious man, careful not to do anything evil, we're told. God himself showers Job with praise and makes that point. There is no one on earth as faithful and good as he is. He worships me and is careful not to do anything evil. He was a wealthy man. And from this, everyone knew that God had poured out on him blessing after blessing, and we know he was blessed with seven sons and three daughters and regarded as the perfect family, a sign of God's pleasure. Job enjoyed this good life. Uh, God's protection rested on his family, and everything that he owned, everything that he did prospered with God's help. Job's wealth continued to grow and grow, and we're told that he was the richest man on the earth. But then, as we've looked at these Wednesdays, his nightmare began. And it came in, wave after wave of bad news. Uh, raiders from the south stole 1,000 fi- cattle and 500 donkeys and killed his servants. Uh, a lightning struck and ki- uh, his flock of 7,000 sheep and, and killed a lot, including the shepherds. Raiders from the north came in and took his camels, 3,000 in all, and killed his servants. Then a storm came in, and the house where his children were having a party had destroyed the house, and all ten children were killed. The normally healthy Job broke out in terrible, painful running sores. And then he sits on a heap of ashes in the local rubbish dump, scraping his skin. We know Job was grief-stricken when he heard all this bad news, like in one day, boom, he lost everything but he did not lose his faith. He acknowledged that God is the Lord of all things. God freely gives and uh, and gives generously, and he alone is able to take it all away again. In fact, Job is saying, if that's God's will, may his will be done. And we're told that even in all this suffering, Job said nothing against God. And then, to help him, his best friends came by, to visit the beaten and battered Job when they heard all that came that had happened to him. They came to console him. But as we, as we heard in our midweeks, all they can say, Job, you must have done something to deserve this. Terrible things like this, these things only happen to really, really bad people, Job, who have angered God, and, and you must have brought this on yourself. maybe your children must have done something to anger God as well. They offer no comfort. They only make matters worse. In spite of everything that happened and his very unhelpful friends, Job's trust in God really doesn't give up. In our reading today, he thinks that what he has to say is so important, he wishes that that it would be engraved in a stone monument with, with letters of lead. He says, oh, that my words were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives. That word, Redeemer, is an important one for us. It can be translated Redeemer or Kinsman Redeemer and God is saying, Job is saying that God is his kinsman-redeemer, it will come to help him. Now, we need to know what that is, a kinsman-redeemer. Let me explain. When, when, when families got into some kind of difficulty, there was this ancient Israelite law that made it the responsibility of the closest, oldest male relative to step in and help. The person was known as the kinsman-redeemer. If a member of the family was taken captive or sold into slavery because of bad bad debts, the responsibility of the kinsman redeemer to pay off the debt, secure the release of his relative. If a family member lost his farm because of bad debts, the the kinsman redeemer would come in and buy back the property and doing so secure the family's title to the land. The kinsman redeemer would also protect and avenge any violence, protecting the family against False uh, uh, law court claims, seated that the family name would continue on. And if the husband died, the, the, it was the duty of the kinsman redeemer to act on behalf of the dead brother, to raise his brother's children as his own, or if he didn't have any children, make sure that he did. You might say the kinsman redeemer was God's Old Testament way of providing social security. <laughs> if you had a kinsman redeemer, you had it. Yet, you, you had financial security, you had land, you had shelter, you had safety, you were assured of descendants. We see this action in the story of Ruth and Naomi, don't we? Two women that lost their husbands. Their future was very insecure, scrounging for whatever food they could find. But Boaz, the relative, the kinsman, redeemer, takes care of them, marries Ruth, and ensures that family will continue through the birth of a son. The child would grow up and care for Ruth in her old age. Job looks at his situation. He sees that he's in desperate need. He's in need of a kinsman redeemer. He's been weighed down by this suffering. He's been weighed down by this grief. He's been overwhelmed by what seems like God's punishing wrath and anger. He believes he hasn't done anything to deserve this, but he doesn't give up trusting on God he's sure his Redeemer is going to come to the rescue. Just as God's Redeemer, kinsman Redeemer, to, uh, just as God was a Redeemer to the people of Israel in slavery uh, in Egypt and brought them out of that slavery into the Promised Land. Just as God was a Redeemer, a kinsman Redeemer, to those that were taken off in exile in Babylon, he brought them home to the Promised Land. Job believed and trusted God is going to be his kinsman redeemer now in his time of need. In spite of everything that happened, Job never gave up hope that God will save him and help him through this difficult time. He was sure God was going to rescue him from this suffering and this grief. He was poor, he was homeless, he was childless, but he was confident his redeemer, his kinsman redeemer would come to the rescue. So what's all this talk about a kinsman redeemer mean to you and me today? Well, Through the waters of holy baptism, God has acted as our kinsman redeemer, if you will. When the New Testament refers to Jesus as the redeemer, the concept of that Old Testament kinsman redeemer lies behind it. Through the waters of baptism, we are brought into the family of God. Jesus is our brother to be with us in our time of need. Jesus gives us that security, that protection in our physical needs, in our spiritual needs, in our emotional needs. When we feel lost, when we feel scared, like Ruth or Naomi, or when we feel brought low through trials and suffering like Job, when the weight of our sin seems so much, the kinsman redeemer, Jesus, acts on our behalf. The divine redeemer is ready to step in when there is no one who will come to our aid. Our Redeemer pays what is owed. We saw that played out in these last few days. Jesus sacrificing his own life to set us free from all that we owe because of our sinfulness. Our Redeemer knows what pain is all about. He understands that when we cry out in fits of anger, blaming him for what has happened. Uh, Jesus, our Redeemer, loves and protects us. Jesus, our Kinsman Redeemer, comforts us and gives us that supernatural strength in our greatest need. He can even use our trials and our darkest times to teach us, to change us, to draw us closer to him. Our Kinsman Redeemer, Jesus, rescues us, not just as individuals, but also as a family and as a church. We can see Job, in Job, how faith in that Redeemer makes all the difference. Because like Job, we can feel low. We can feel angry at God about, how, about God allowing things to happen in our lives. We can feel weak and helpless in the face of so much tragedy. We can feel confused about the loving nature of God and the pain that we're feeling right now. But while all this is going on, God's word assures you and me that Jesus, our kinsman-redeemer, will never be far away, and he's ready to help. He's there to support and encourage you and me. We may not have all the answers, and to be honest, things may not turn out as we would like them to, but, but faith in our kinsman-redeemer makes all the difference in times of trial, doesn't it? I read a story about a pastor who was faced with a, conducting a very difficult and heartbreaking funeral. And, and he went through all of it in his mind and wondering what kind of words he could speak and give comfort and hope. And after some time in prayer, he came to that realization and said, I don't have any solutions to their pain. I only have an answer. And that answer is Jesus Christ. So what's going on in your life that makes you feel like Job? Are you or someone close to you facing an ongoing health struggle? that seems to be getting the upper hand? Are you facing the new prospect of the new normal uh, life after divorce? Are you or someone you love looking ahead at certain death due to a ravaging disease? Are you struggling with an ongoing sin that you cannot shake and you know eventually it's going to take its toll on you and your family? Are you facing maybe extensive repairs in your home with no savings left? You don't know what to do. Maybe you're enduring that daily pain and that aching hole where that child that you once loved, loved, lived, resided. Have you watched your financial situation go from good to bad to worse? Are you waking up each day next to that spot where your spouse once laid and you're wondering what to do next? Have you ever felt like Job? losing everything, money, property, security, and loved ones. Job cried out, Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. In this midst of Job's devastation, he knew He had a kinsman redeemer. So what's this mean on Easter Sunday? In the gospel reading, we heard that good news. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He lives. The Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer lives. We have a kinsman redeemer. Our kinsman redeemer, Jesus, has conquered sin Death and the devil. All those things that cause so much trouble for us in our world today. All those things that make us feel like we have a target on our back. The good news of the angels. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Job said, oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, inscribed with an iron tool on lead, or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives. Let us trust and have faith in our Redeemer, our risen Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Redeemer makes all the difference when we face difficult situations. Our Redeemer, in the face of our suffering, gives us the assurance that even our deepest needs, even in that time, God is not far away from us. Our Redeemer reminds us that God does care when we are hurting Our Redeemer reminds us that we're always in the loving arms of our Father and that he will help us in our trials that we're facing and to overcome them with Jesus. Our Redeemer assures us that even in the most trying, the most difficult circumstances we face, he is our strength to get us through that situation. Our Redeemer assures us that even though we die, he will still work to rescue us and to take us home to be with him forever. That is what helps us survive the catastrophes of life. My friends, in the face of trials and trouble, may God grant you and me a Job-like faith that we can exclaim, I know I have a kinsman redeemer, Jesus in whom I trust. I know that my redeemer lives hallelujah christ is risen he is risen indeed hallelujah amen please rise and now may the peace of god that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in christ jesus amen
0: thank you for listening to this special easter sunday sunrise service podcast from st paul's lutheran church and school in Bourbonnet, Illinois. You can find this and other special sermon podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clicking the sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening, and Happy Easter!